0: I'm going to knock all this stuff over. So i gotta, I got to make a lane for myself. All right, good morning. I hope you all are not as tired as I am this morning, because that is pretty tired. But it is all good. I am really excited to be here. I'm really excited to be continuing our Recommit series. So as a refresher, um, so this is, I think, week Four of our Recommit series. And so uh, the whole premise of this series that Mike and I um, wanted to do is that, you know, it can be really easy, easier than I think any of us want to even admit to get caught up in the to-do list of Christianity. You know, and so when I say the, the, the to-do list of Christianity, it's like, hey, we're going to go to church on Sunday, and we're going to go volunteer at the Hope Center, and we're going to read our Bible, and, and we're, and, 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 and we're going to do all these really good, really necessary things but we get so caught up in the doing of these things that we forget that these things are not the end. The, 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 do, just doing these things is not the point of being Christians. The point of being Christians is to, be, is to know and have a relationship with Jesus Christ and in that relationship be formed into his likeness by him. And the things that is talked about, going to church, being in a small group, you know, volunteering at the Hope Center and serving. Those are all means of pursuing Jesus and worshiping him, but those are not the end. And so, you know, we we, we love the idea of this Recommit series because, you know, we love to use this language of like, go have a relationship with Jesus, go spend time with Jesus. But sometimes we don't talk about what that actually looks like. Like, what does that actually mean to be in relationship with Jesus? And so we're, we're going through very practical practices that, that, Christians ahead of us you know who've been doing for thousands of years and so um, we're actually in part two of prayer and you may ask Tim why are you doing prayer in two parts you know well because really prayer is one of the it's it's the foundation that that is the thing prayer is the thing prayer is how we connect and communicate with the Lord and so, um, you know, and, and, and Mike did a great job talking about the scriptures and, and, and how, you know, how we should read the scriptures and how we know the scriptures are the, or the, the truth and the word of God and how we, we read the scriptures. But not only do we read the scriptures, but we allow the scriptures to read us. And then, you know, last week, Mike did part one of prayer, and he really did a great job of, of breaking down, you know, what is prayer for, you know, for, for anyone here who might feel intimidated by, by prayer or feel like prayer is something that's out of their reach, you know, re- really using Paul um, as a good model for, you know, look, like with prayer, we pray any place at any time. We have access to the throne room. That's what Jesus did for us. We don't just pray for people. We pray with people. And we also pray big, but we also pray specific. And so, so Mike did a great job of setting that stuff up. Um, And then today we're going to be doing part two, where I'm going to be talking about more nuts and bolts of what are some very specific types of prayers and how does God use these types of prayers to encounter us and change us? And so we're going to be kind of going through all these different types of, of prayers. And if you've, you've been following along in the devotionals we've been sending out on Sundays, you're going to, you, you will have already encountered a lot of these different types of prayer in the devotional. And if you haven't gotten those devotionals, but you would like to, um, we have cards up there on the offering box by the door. You know, feel free to put your email address and your name on it and drop them in the offering box. And, and we'll be sure to add you to the list before we send them out, out today. Um, if you're new here and you, haven't, and, you, and you would like to connect, you know, fill out one of those cards as well. That's what they're there for. Um, but you know, we're, we're going to continue to send those devotionals out because coming in on Sunday and talking about it does no good if we're not going out in the week and actually doing what we're talking about. And that's the whole point of the devotional is, is us, us connecting with the Lord. Um, so anyway, I'm going to open us up in prayer um, and we're going to go ahead and dive in. So Lord, I thank you that, that you, all the responsibilities on you on the cross, you took the weight of our sin. You died for our forgiveness. You have saved us. You teach us, you disciples. We, we, we are not disciples of Mike. We are not disciples of Tim. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. And we are here to learn from you and your genius and your wisdom and your love and your goodness. And so, so Jesus, we're, we're just here sitting at your feet. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just speak truth this morning. Speak to all of our hearts um, at all the places that we're at individually Lord, and, and, and that you would just continue to, to till the soil of our hearts so that we could receive your truth and that it would grow and flourish into a, to a strong, mature faith. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So, so, like I said before, we're here this morning to answer the question of, at the end of the day, how does prayer connect us to the Lord and how does prayer form us into the likeness of Jesus? That's, that's the really where the rubber meets the road and kind of what we're talking about here. Um, and so I remember, I guess back, Mike, was it 2017 that I became the youth pastor? 2016, 20, yeah, yeah, sure, we'll go with 2017. And so Mike was looking for a youth pastor, and so um, I, uh, I stopped by at his office, and we were just kind of talking like, like we would do, and we would just kind of chat about what's happening. And, um, and I was like, well, how's the youth pastor hunt going? And he's like, well, you know, I've got to talk to a couple of people, but I don't know if it's going to work out. And i like, okay, and we were just talking, and he goes, you wouldn't be interested, would you? He kind of did that play. Like I, you wouldn't have to be interested in that role, would you? Um, I was like, and, and, and my immediate, my immediate instinct response was no, 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 I'm not a youth pastor. That's just not who I am. You know, that's not my calling. Nothing against youth pastors, Laura. I'm just saying it just, it just, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't my thing in 2017. I'm just saying that's what, you know, that's all I'm saying. And so my, Mike, Mike did the thing. He's like, we'll just pray about it. I was like, okay. And so, uh Spoiler alert, I had no intention of praying about it. <laughs> and so I went home, and Mike must have done the thing that Wendy loves to do. And so what Wendy loves to do is I'll be like, hey, we need to call and remind this person about something. And she'll go, no, I'm just going to call. I'm, I'm just going to pray and seek the Holy Spirit on them. And that's, that's, that's Wendy's move. That's a Wendy move. And so, so Mike must have done, he must have gone home and sink the Holy Spirit on me because, because I, I, I literally went home with zero intention of praying about it. And all of a sudden, but I, I felt bad. I, I felt this conviction of like, you told Mike you'd pray about it. You need to actually pray about it. I was like, Fine, fine. I'll pray about it. And so, I did. And, and, and it was a very simple prayer. I was like, God, like if, it, if this is what you want me to do, if, this, if, if for whatever, however long this next season looks like, if you want me to be the youth pastor, just, just show me, just show me that you want me to be the youth pastor. And I, and I would pray that every day. And it was one of those things where I was expecting, you know, I was expecting, you know, someone to be like, you know what, Tim, you make a great youth pastor. You know, I was, I was expecting like confirmation like that. You know, that's kind of what I was looking for. What I didn't expect was maybe three or four days later, all of a sudden, I prayed that prayer. I was like, you know, God, if you want me to be the youth pastor, you, I just need you to show me. Cause, you know. And then all of a sudden, I was like, if I was the youth pastor, it would be kind of fun to do this. But I'm not, so whatever. Then a couple days, you know, then, then the next day, I'm like, okay, God, if you want me to be the youth pastor, you know, just, I, just, I just need you to show me. You know, it would be kind of fun to do this with the kids or kind of go through this. I bet the kids would really benefit from this. But I'm not the youth pastor, so it doesn't really matter. So to all the way to, you know, by, by, the, by a week, you know, I, I went and I, I met Mike at the office again. and We're just kind of chatting. And, and I was like, so I, I prayed about being the youth pastor. And I was, oh, yeah, what would you get? And I, and I think, I, think I, hand, I, I had typed up, I would handed you, like, this is my job description. These are all the things I want to do. This is the vision I have for the youth. Like, this is, this is what I want to do. So, so God didn't show me that he wanted me to be the youth pastor. Over the course of a week, he changed my heart so that by the end of that week, I was actually excited about being the youth pastor. And so, you know, sometimes when it comes to prayer, we ask God to show us things, but really what God needs to do is he needs to change us, and he needs to form us. I think a lot of times um, we, you know, we see prayer as a way to get something from God, and a lot of times, you know, we, we, we make our prayers all about, you know, God, give me things. And we're going to talk about that later on because, I mean, that, that is a part of prayer. And God does tell us, you know, at, you know, ask, ask and I'll give. I want to give you good things. I'm a good father. I want to give you good gifts. But sometimes, but, but sometimes we make that all about what prayer is. But in my opinion, I think the primary purpose of prayer is to be properly formed into the likeness of Jesus. And when we make prayer all about just getting things from God, then we're setting ourselves up for failure. And we'll, we'll talk about that more a little bit later, but really it's all about being properly formed. So we're going to go and dive in because we have a lot of ground to cover, but I'm really excited. And I hope you are too. And if you're not excited, you're here, you can't go anywhere. So it doesn't really matter. So, so the first uh, type of prayer um, that we're going to talk about is a prayer of, of worship and adoration. You know, and so, so going back to the devotional, you know, the the part in the devotional talks about, you know, tell Jesus the place, you know, he has in your life. That's, that's kind of what that's intended to be. It's kind of to be this place of like, okay, God, like, you know, telling Jesus and worshiping Jesus for who he is to you. And so there's this, there's this interesting story um, in Acts chapter 16, uh, verses 25 through 26. And Paul and Silas um, have ended up in jail again. And, um, and picking up in verse 25, it says, Um, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a a violent earthquake, the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. And I love that. It's it's such a really cool story. And I think it's really easy for us to read a story like that and go, man, God is so powerful. God is so cool. If I ever wind up in jail for sharing the gospel, I'll be sure to remember that story. Um, but because none of us are in physical chains, none of us are in jail, it's also kind of easy to dismiss that story of like, okay, that's cool. I'll remember that if I ever need that, but I don't really need that right now. Um, but when I read that story, I think, you know, my takeaway is just because we're not in physical chains does not mean that our worship still cannot set us free. And so there are tons of things in our lives that hold us in bondage. Whether that's um, anxiety, fear, perfectionism, people-pleasing, depression, you know, w- w- whatever it may be, there's tons of things that hold us in bondage in our life. And, and what we see here is we, have, we see a, a, a beautiful example of how us pointing our focus, pointing our worship and our adoration to God is a means of getting freedom in our lives. It's a means of, 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 of breaking chains. So um, Dr. Caroline Leaf is a, is a neuroscientist um, who, who is a believer, has done a lot of work on actually proving that a lot of the things that the scripture says about the mind of Christ, um, taking every thought captive, things like that, are actually backed up by science. It's really neat. She, has, she has, actually has, like, has an Instagram feed, you should, you know, Dr. Caroline Leaf. It's, it's, she's worth following. Um, but she's done really cool things as far as like, she, can, she can map out Um, Thought patterns and she will actually she did this when when Mike and I saw her at a conference Um, She she showed us, you know the thought patterns and how they grow and actually thought patterns in our minds look like trees and so she would actually say, okay, here's one thought pattern, and it looks like a tree, and then another thought pattern, and it looks like a wilted dead tree. And she would say, we've actually determined that the thought patterns that look like good, healthy trees in our brains are the thoughts that are rooted in love and peace and joy and all the fruits of the Spirit. And the thought patterns that look like dead, wilted trees are actually the thought patterns that are based in, in hatred and fear and anxiety and, and bitterness and all of these other things. Um, and so you you can see God's hand in all of these little intricacies and in how we're created. It's a, and, and she's really gone a long way. Well, she's also done another study that showed that just praying for fifteen minutes a day can completely change your brain chemistry. Just just putting our focus on the Lord, taking our focus off of our problems, and putting our focus on on the goodness and and the and the benevolence and and the kindness of of God. Um, actually can change our thought patterns, the the wiring and and the synapses in our brain and our brain chemistry. And so going back to what we're talking about with worship and adoration, just spending time and sitting there and giving credit to God, giving credit where credit's due and putting our focus on the goodness and the faithfulness and the love of God actually changes how we think actually changes our perspective. It stops us from, from focusing on on the bad and foc- and we start focusing on the good. We stop looking for all the ways that God has left and we start looking for all the ways that God is for us. And, we, and it completely changes the lens we look at our day through. And some of you who've been doing the devotional, you may have noticed that some days are easier than others. You know, there are some days you may be doing it and you go, you know, oh, yeah, man, God, thank you that you are my savior, that you died for me, that you're always with me, that your presence is always available. Thank you that you're my healer. Thank you that you're my, my provider. And it just kind of flows. And that's great. Those, I love those days. But then there's also the days you do it, and it's not easy. It doesn't flow. It doesn't come naturally. Um, and it's really tempting to go, okay, well, I just don't have it today. But in all actuality, like, those are the days you need it the most. The days when you are unable to praise God for who you are are the days that you need freedom the most. And so I found personally that when you, you know, maybe you need to go back and read some Psalms, go back and read some scripture to remind you. But on the days you, that, that you really press in and don't settle for not being able to do that are the days that you maybe you kind of start slow and then all of a sudden you kind of build some momentum. And it's like, it's like you kind of got to knock the barnacles off. You know, you got to knock the barnacles off yourself from, from whatever, you know, whatever's latched onto you. And then, and, and, and then it flows. That's what contending looks like. That's, where, that's, that's, that's what pursuing the Lord and pressing in. Like, like that, that's when following Jesus and believing truth is difficult. But worship and adoration, it changes our brains. It changes our minds. And it absolutely has a supernatural and spiritual ability to set us free. So what are you struggling with? Are you struggling with something that medication and therapy has not been able to help out with? Maybe you need to worship your way out of it. The second thing is forgiving petitions. So we talked about this already about, but you know, like God tells us he wants us to come to us and ask him for things. He, he's a good father who wants to give good gifts to his kids. But Let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, There's a parable that I like a lot um, in Matthew 18, verses 1 through 8. Uh, So we're going to read that real quick and and unpack that for for this section. Uh, Matthew 18, verse 1. uh, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So something something that someone told me that I thought was interesting when you read the Gospels is, you know, obviously people come to Jesus and, and ask him for all sorts of things. And Jesus never once gets upset or frustrated or angry at anyone who is coming to him asking him for help or asking him for something, which I think is very telling about the heart of God. He gets mad at the Pharisees for being Pharisees. Um, He gets frustrated at their unbelief, um, but he never gets upset at anyone coming to him and asking him for something, Um, which, I mean, anyone, I'm sure anyone who has kids would be like, that's, I don't know how that he, I don't know how he does that. That's crazy. Um, or even me, like with a business, and, and you know, a client has like an unreasonable request, and I get I'm like, this is, this is ridiculous. But even though we may come to him with, uh, with ridiculous requests, we may come to him with completely wrong hearts, but he doesn't get frustrated with us when we come to him and ask him for things. But the other, thi- but the other side of that coin is, he never gets frustrated when, we, when, when people come and ask him for things, but he typically, when people ask him stuff, he typically doesn't respond in the way that they think he's going to respond. And so that's the thing we have to be careful of when we're giving him our our petitions and we're asking him things. So when we ask God for things, we have to keep in mind that he is a good father and he wants to give us good things. But what he's telling us in this parable is sometimes what's more important to him than than him giving us what we want is us becoming the kind of people he created us to be. Will he find faith when he comes back? Will he find a people that are full of faith, who are persistent, who are tenacious, who are persevering in things that they know are true, but they haven't seen yet? That is more important to God than giving us all the things that we ask for. So I've prayed for sick people, and I've seen them healed miraculously. That's amazing, and that, that, that gives me faith, and that gives the people around us faith, and that's a beautiful thing, but I've prayed for sick people, and they haven't gotten well. I've asked for God to come through and help me out when I'm in a pinch and he has before and it's great and it gives me faith and I show it and it shows me that God cares about the little things, but sometimes he hasn't. And so we, we have to get out of this mode that God is just, is just there to give us the things we want and into this mode of God is there to make us into the kind of people that he created us to be. And sometimes we have to trust God in the waiting that he's still good and that he still cares for us. And maybe what he's really doing is less important about giving you what you're asking for. And what's more important is changing you and forming you into someone who is long-suffering and patient. And continues to believe he is who he is, even though you're not getting what the thing you're asking for. What if we modeled Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane? Remember, remember when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane before he's betrayed? And he's a, he knows he's about to be betrayed. And, uh, and he's saying, you know, Father, you know, take this cup from me. You know, he's, he, he knows he's about to go to the cross. He knows he's about to die a horrible death for us. And, and you know, he, he wants us to be forgiven. He wants us to be united back with the Father. But he doesn't want to die a terrible death which is completely understandable. that's one of the most like relatable things about, you know when I read the gospels I'm like I yeah, I'm with Jesus. That would be I wouldn't want to do that either. But his prayer is God take this cup from me, but not my will but your will be done. And what if we you know how freeing would it be if we modeled that 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 humility and that submission? Yes. Go to God. Ask for things that are big and specific. God's big enough. The faith of a mustard seed can move a mountain. Yes, we should be people that are moving mountains. That is in the heart of God. God wants that. But God also wants us to be formed in the process of waiting for the mountain to be moved. So that's what happens, and that's how that happens with with asking God for things. The next thing is... confession. That's another fun one, actually. This is another good one. And so when I, when, I, when I say confession, confession can be kind of a dirty word. I'm not just talking about, like, confessing our sins, even though we should absolutely be confessing our sins. Confess our sins to God. Confess our sins to the people that we trust and are close to. Um, you know, I, I, I've always thought that, you know, sin is like fungus. It grows really well in the dark, wet places. So, like, bring it out in the light. You know, talk about it. That's the best way to keep habitual sin from taking root in your life. And so, yes, we should be confessing our sin to God. But, but confession is a much, much bigger word than just talking about sin. And so, uh, James 4.8, you know, the, the brother of Jesus, James, he, he says this in ver- chapter 4, verse 8. Um, come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And so, yes. He's talking about sin. Yes, he's he's saying you know, if we go to God and we're honest about our short, our shortcomings and our mistakes and our failures and our sins, God is faithful to come near to us and to forgive us and to comfort us in those things. But when I think of this, I think of it, it's more than just sin. I'm thinking about the fact that I'm a completely, I'm a very inadequate person who is not capable of doing all the things that God has, has called me to. And so, there have been times where I have been riddled with anxiety or I've been riddled with loss and grief and, and sadness. And, but for whatever reason, I don't know if it's because I'm a guy. I don't know if it's, I don't know why I do this. I, I pretend like I can hide it from God or I pretend like, ah, oh, you know, I, I don't need God to help me with this. But, but God knows us better than we know ourselves. God knows our hearts fully inside and out so it's actually kind of silly when we act like we can like we act one way or you know when we think we're acting one way around God and we act another way when we think we're not around God like I I had this realization about myself one day um have any of you ever noticed that you talk different when you pray to God than when you talk like any other time like do any of you like throw a vow in there when you pray (laughs) no never ever but, like, you, you talk different when you pray to God than when you, like, are talking regularly. But, like, God knows who you are. Like, he knows you fully inside and out, still died for you, still love you. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm going to share a little secret. God doesn't just love you. God likes you. That was a big deal for me, too. Like, God actually likes you. And so, like, he knows you fully. And so, but we tend to want to, like, put on a show for him sometimes. But what I'm talking about here, what James is talking about when he's saying, come near to God, come near to God and just be who you are. Come near to God and be vulnerable to him. Come near to God and tell him, God, I'm completely lost right now, and I need your help. God, I'm, I'm tired of being tired, and I don't know how to not be tired. And then he's going to speak to you and say, go to Tim's Sabbath workshop. Yeah. And then... <laughs> Or say, God, I'm tired of being riddled with anxiety at every turn. Please deliver me from this anxiety. There's a, um, there's a story, I don't know if, if any of you are familiar with uh, with Ben Carson. So Ben Carson was the um, secretary of HUD under the Trump administration. Um, and, he, and he was actually in the running to be president and didn't win the primaries. But I really like Ben Carson. He loves the Lord. He's very vocal about his faith. Um, and, and I heard one time he, he told this story about growing up. Um, so growing up as a kid, he actually had a really bad temper and he would even use the word to describe it. It's rageful. And so one day after school, um, I forget the the full details of the story, but he pretty much, you know, kicked this one kid a good one. And, um, it scared him. His anger scared him to the point that he ran home, grabbed his Bible, locked himself in the bathroom and threw himself on the bathroom floor and, and started to read through all the verses in the Bible about anger and temper, um, through the concordance. And as a boy, pretty much was reading through the Bible about all the things that the Bible said about anger and is essentially throwing himself at, at the feet of, of God and saying, God, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to be so rageful. I don't want to be so angry. Please take this from me. And, and the way he describes it, and the way he tells the story is he's like, I, I can't explain it, but I just I never struggled with it again. It, it, it is really like God just took it from me, and I just I've I've never struggled with my temper. I've never struggled with my rage. It, it is really like God just took it from me, and I love that story, especially um, with this verse from James, because James talks. James addresses the fact that we need to be careful not to be double-minded, and double-minded means we ha- we have inconsistent thoughts, inconsistent beliefs, and 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 an inconsistent belief. A good example of of a double-minded belief is. Okay, I submit myself to Jesus. Jesus is my savior, but I can handle these things over here myself. Okay, I'm going to give Jesus my sin, but my anxiety problem, my, my anger problem, you know, my, m- how overwhelmed I am at work, I can handle that myself. But what we're doing is what we're essentially saying is like, okay, I'll take Jesus, but I don't want the bloody, messy cross. Does that make sense? We need the bloody, messy cross, guys, because it's through the bloody, messy cross that Jesus came into our bloody, messy lives. Our lives are messy. And and we need the bloody, messy cross because that's the only way that we can make sense of our lives. That's the only way that we can get the power and the help we need. If we could fix our lives through our own willpower and through our own wisdom, we wouldn't need the bloody, messy cross, so it's in, it's in our confession of our inadequacies and our insecurities and our shortfallings to Jesus. It's, it's our vulnerability to him that, we're, that we hand those things to him and we can get the power we need to overcome those things. What if the only thing standing between you and breakthrough is you and in your, in your inability to be vulnerable with God about what you really need? That's confession. Confession. All right, the next one. Written prayer. This one's this one's kind of a new one for me. I'm not going to lie, guys. Written prayer. Um, if you if you grew up in more of a high church setting, um, you may even know this as as liturgy. You know, we're talking about, about liturgical and liturgy prayer. Um, so we're, we're going to be in Luke 11, um, verse one, and probably like the first half of verse two. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, But Luke 11, 1 through 2 says, um, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say. And he goes into the Lord's prayer. And so what's interesting about this is, and this was actually not uncommon at Jesus' time. So, so what, what his disciples are saying is, is, Jesus teaches how to pray. And, and Jesus does not give them like a model. He doesn't give them like, okay, like when you pray, just make, be sure you do this, 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 and this, and then you're good. Um, he actually gave them a prayer to pray, which was not uncommon. A lot of times back then, um, rabbis would write out prayers, written prayers that they would expect their disciples to pray. And they would expect their disciples to actually pray the prayer as it was written. And, and so, and for thousands of years, rabbis, priests, um, they would, our, our early church fathers would pray these, these prayers that were written out. And so, um, I was never really, I never really did that too much, um, it was kind of a new thing for me, but it was interesting over COVID. I was actually, I, w- I was at a wedding last night. I was talking to a friend and uh, we, we were trying to remember something about COVID. And we were, and we, we were laughing about how like the, the, the COVID years, like a cloud, you know, like, like, did that happen during COVID? I, I, I don't even remember. But um, during COVID, I would, I would go and I would try to pray and spend time with the Lord. Because as you may remember, there was a lot of things to pray about during COVID. Um, and I had a hard time. I had a hard time praying during COVID, um, and I couldn't. I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't really put my finger on it. Um, and, and this was one of those things. Like I'm, I'm speaking not from hindsight. Like I, I can look back on that now, and I can I can know what it was, but I didn't know what it was at the time. Um, but it was almost like. There was things that, like, I wanted to say. There's things I wanted to, to say in my spirit, but my mind couldn't put words to them. And that may sound kind of weird to some of you, but that, that's just kind of the, clo- the only thing I can think of to kind of relate. Like, there's, th- there's things I needed to say, but my, my mind couldn't articulate it. And I, I was really having a hard time. Um, and, the, we, and I know Mike and I have mentioned the U Version Bible app a couple of times. Well, a newer feature of the U Version Bible app is that it actually has guided prayer in there. So if, if you're, you know, if you're kind of wanting some help in prayer, you can go to the YouVersion app, go to the to prayer, and it'll kind of go through and prompt you of certain and give you scripture and all that stuff. It's, it is, and it's really helpful. And so I, I, w- I would do that every once in a while, and it, it was helpful a little bit. Um, and then I started praying the scriptures. So I would start praying the Psalms, and I would go through in Paul's letter and start praying the prayers that he would pray over the churches. And I, 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 really, I really enjoyed that. That, that was great. Um, that was really helpful. Uh, and then a buddy of mine sh- shared with me the Book of Common Prayer, which if any of you, again, kind of grew up in a more of a high church place, you, you would know what I'm talking about. And it's a, it's a collection of prayers and even like orders of services that, that the church has used for over a thousand years. And I would pray these prayers. Um, and it was, so, it was so refreshing to me in a lot of ways because these are prayers that have been written in that, you know, the author of Hebrews talks about the, the cloud of witnesses. And you almost get the sense that you're participating with the cloud of witnesses. You're praying these prayers that, that, that millions of believers of Jesus have prayed before you. And you're participating and you're benefiting from their collective wisdom and from their collective experience. And, 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 and is, it brought new refreshment to my soul that I hadn't really experienced before. And so what we're talking about is, Sometimes I used to, I used to believe, and I was wrong in this. I used to believe that reading out written prayers was stale. But the thing is, worship can't be stale, but the heart of a worshiper can be. It was not stale. I just was looking at it the wrong way. And so, and it's the same thing when Jesus gave his disciples the Lord's The Lord's Supper, or not the Lord's Supper, but the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is composed of the genius of Jesus. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we can be confident that we just prayed well. Because it's Jesus' prayer that he gave us. And If we fast forward to Acts uh, chapter 2, 41 through 42, this is in the message version. I I like this better. Um, It says, That day about 3,000 took him at his word were baptized, and were signed up. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. So the early church didn't just devote themselves to pray. They devoted themselves to the prayers. What were the prayers? Well, it was, it's probably safe to assume the Lord's Prayer and probably the Psalms. The Psalms had historically been the primary prayer book of the Jewish people for, for however many thousands of years. And it, you know, and, and in the devotional, we, we do a different psalm every week. And as I pray through the psalms, I become more and more convinced, especially in the climate that we're in of, of so much focus on mental health. The psalm, praying the psalms teaches us how to feel the full range of human emotion, but to do so in a way that's healing and healthy. The psalms, in my opinion, is critical for exercising and maintaining mental and emotional health. We laugh about how David's bipolar and he goes through all these different emotions. But the point is, we, we, ha- we have those same emotions that he does. And sometimes we feel the same way that he does. So why not learn from him how to express those emotions in a healthy and beneficial way instead of letting them, letting them rule over us? The Psalm, and, and when we pray the Psalms, we can, we can take peace in knowing that Jesus prayed the Psalms. Jesus was a boy in synagogue, and he prayed the Psalms. Jesus was praying the Psalms on the cross. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the opening line to Psalm 22. Jesus prayed the Psalms. So these liturgical written-out prayers are beautiful, and they allow us to participate with Jesus and connect with with our our early church the followers of Jesus and benefit from them in ways that we, we never could. So, yes, I'm a, I'm a strong proponent of praying these written-out prayers and praying the scriptures and praying the psalms. In fact, you, know, you may have noticed in the devotional um, over the last few weeks, the opening prayer each week is a different prayer from the Book of Common Prayer. And so when we send out today, it's going to be a different, bo- a different prayer from the Book of Common Prayer. And so it's definitely something that I've added to my, life, my, my prayer life recently that I would encourage you all to add to yours as well. And finally, we're almost done. We pray to be centered and to listen for God. Or, depending on the circles you run in, you can, that can also be called contemplative prayer. So, Mike talked about John 1.1, 1, 1, where he says, you know, you know, in the beginning was the Word, was, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. You also get different imagery throughout the scriptures of, of God is our father. Jesus is our high priest. Jesus is our rabbi. Jesus is the bridegroom of Israel. All these different, all these different imagery of, of, of uh, Jesus and God being in these different roles in our lives. But one of the things that, and a strong implication that all that stuff has is the fact that you don't have to have had a good father to know that a good father is a good communicator. You don't you, you may be divorced. You don't have to have had a good marriage to know that a good groom, a good husband is a good communicator. If God is word, our father, our high priest, our rabbi, our bridegroom, God is an excellent communicator. And it is his utmost desire to speak to us and to communicate with us. And communication works both ways. Communication one on one. So a lot of times we make prayer all about us talking to God. But God is absolutely, it's his heart and desire to communicate with us and to make sure that he, and and for him to communicate intimate, personal, relevant things to us. That way we know that he loves us. And so, but the problem is with our society and the culture, we've gotten really good at crowding God out of our lives. And so, you know, we have our our phones, you know, my mind's up there. We have phones that are really good at distracting us and and keeping our minds busy. And we have these really busy schedules and we have our house full of stuff and we have all of these things. And, and, And really, you know, this discipline and really the practices that are going to be coming in the following weeks are really all about making space in our life so that God can actually be there. Sometimes we're wanting an encounter with the Lord, but, we don't, but we ha- we're not encountering him because we don't have any space for him in our lives. Somet- so, so in our devotional, there's a couple times in there where it says, just take two minutes and sit and be present with Jesus, which you wouldn't think would be too hard, but it's really tough. It's really tough to quiet our minds for two minutes and just be present with Jesus. Uh, something that helps me because I'm, I'm a chronic overthinker is um, I'll use my imagination. So like what I'll do is I'll, during that time, like I'll, I'll pretend like I'm in, like laying in a hammock on a warm day. That's a good day. Laying in a hammock on a warm day. And then Jesus is actually in a hammock next to me. And we're just, and we're just chilling. Jesus and I are just chilling. We're just, we're just, we're just in a hammock. And we're just both kind of smiling. Um, and sometimes the whole two minutes goes by and it's just Jesus and I and Maybe I'll, I'll look over him and he'll look over at me. That's a good, that's a good thing about being a guy. Guys can hang out for hours and not say a word. And it's great. It's great. But sometimes Jesus will roll over in the hammock and he'll say something to me. And I'm not doing this myself I go, into these, I go into these times with no agenda. I, I'm not going into these time, times with an expectation like, God, I need to hear this from you. I'm going into like, okay, God, if you want to say something, great. But if you just want to hang out with me, I'm good with that too. And so I go into these times with no agenda. That way, when all of a sudden in my mind, Jesus rolls over and tells me something, I know it's from him. This may sound super, this that may, sound, may sound kind of mystical, but it's It is spiritual. It is spiritual but sometimes God uses our imagination to speak to us. And so this is what contemplative prayer looks like. This is what listening prayer is. It's carving out time. It's it's training our minds to be quiet enough so that we can actually hear God and hear what he has to say to us. Mother Teresa said this. Mother Teresa said, We need to find God, and he cannot be found in noise and restlessness. God is the friend of silence. See the stars, the moon, and the sun, how they move in silence. We need silence to be able to touch souls. And so people use this practice of silence and solitude for hundreds, of thousands, for hundreds and thousands of years. And people, you know, Jesus, that's what Jesus did when Jesus went out in the wilderness. It was silence and solitude. It's him just being quiet and eliminating distractions so that he can be with the Lord. And it's tough. When, when Mike asked me to step up and be co-pastor, I didn't, that's not a decision I took lightly. So I went away for a couple of days and I went away to pray about if I, if this is something I need to do. And I didn't turn on the TV. I didn't check my Facebook. It was a time I was intentionally saying, I'm not going to call people. I'm just going to be with the Lord in silence and solitude. And I will stand up here and be the first one to tell you that was tough. That was real tough. In fact, I'm even going to go so far as to say it was uncomfortable. It, t- I, I, it probably took me at least 12 hours to get to the point where I was actually comfortable in the silence. And it's a testament to the fact that our lives have become so distracting. Anytime we feel uncomfortable, we just grab our phone. Anytime there's a voice in our heads that we're like, ah, I don't like that voice, Facebook. And when we're but when we commit to silence and solitude, we commit to the fact that there's things in me that I need to deal with and I probably can't do it on my own. So I need the Lord to come in and meet me in those places. And that's the practice of silence and solitude. But the beautiful thing about that is God meets us there. And so yeah, silence and solitude is a difficult practice. And I'm not saying you need to go and spend a week at a cabin in the woods. But why don't we start with a couple minutes in the morning when we just try to clear our minds and focus on the Lord and see if he has anything for us and give him the space to communicate to us. Because if we do, he will. And we'll like what he has to say, I promise. It'll be good. So we covered a lot of ground this morning. So we talked about how worship and adoration frees us in ways that, that only worshiping God can, and it actually changes our brain chemistry and it changes our minds that we focus on the goodness of God and not the lack of God. We talked about how our petitions are so important. God tells us to ask, ask him for things, but sometime, and, and sometimes he answers them, and sometimes he wants us to be formed in the waiting. And we also talked about confession and how confession isn't just about sin, but it's also about confessing the fact that we just need Jesus to help us with our lives. We need a bloody, messy cross to help us with our bloody, messy lives. And we have to be vulnerable with a God who already knows us inside and out anyway and loves us just the way we are. And we talked about written prayer, liturgy, and how beautiful it is to participate in the wisdom and the experience of the people who have come before us. And that one of the ways you, if you want to know if you've prayed well, is you pray the Lord's prayer. You pray the Psalms and you benefit from the experience and the scriptures that those have for you and be, and be formed by praying those ancient prayers. And then finally, we, we benefit and we pray from contemplative prayer, from creating space in our minds and stilling and silencing our minds so that we can actually hear the voice of the Lord for ourselves and be filled by the love and attention that God wants to give you personally. Got all? (laughs) It's a full meal. I know, it's a full meal, but it's good. It's good. Guys. And and you may not do all these at the same time. That's that's why that's why the devotion. I love the the idea of the devotion because it allows us to kind of get a kind of a, a follow a kind of a path of those things. So if if you're not getting the devotion and you want to, please you know do one of those visitor cards. And even if you're not a visitor, put your email address, and we'll be sure to add you to that list. But guys, like this is what it's about. This is how we encounter the Lord. This is how we meet the creator of the universe. Guys, Like I think we, we completely take for granted that we can have relationship with the God of the universe. We can tap into the divine. We can meet God, and he can meet us where we're at. But if we believe that we're at war with the world and that we're, we're at war with, with, a, with a common enemy, they've constructed a world around us that is not conducive to hearing the God of the universe. So these practices are necessary for us to resist that. These practices are all an act of resistance against a world that is not conducive for us to meet the Father. Prayer, silence and solitude, fasting, Sabbath rest, simplicity, all of these things are practices that have been around since the creation of time because they help us to live in a world with God and a world that's hostile to God. So I'll close this in prayer and I hope you guys go and have an amazing week and that that you leave here excited about the privilege that we have to live with God. Lord, we thank you that through the bloody, messy cross, we have access to you. We don't have to live like the rest of the world and believe that, there, that maybe there's some God out there who, who is not in touch with us and who's aloof and is, a, and, and is some kind of absent father. No, we know that you are not an absent father. We know that you are near to us. And thank you for giving us the tools we need to have access to you. Thank you, God. That you are impossible. You're impossible to, to not know well enough. You're impossible that that we can underwhelm everything you have for us. Thank you that your love is better than life. Thank you that your presence is always with us. And Lord, I just pray that you would just continue to guide us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just continue to teach us and guide us. And the way that, that the devotional ends every day. Holy Spirit, lead us, Holy Spirit, sustain us, and Holy Spirit, move through us. Amen.